0: in the morning my brothers and sisters in christ how are you today welcome to saint mark bemidji's podcast a podcast about redemption from our sinful failings through jesus christ our lord and about the glory of the one true god now and forever i want to thank you for joining us today This podcast is nothing without its supporters, just like you. You support us through your listening and sharing it with others. Without you, it's just ones and zeros sitting on a storage medium somewhere on the internet. I've talked about this topic before, and I'll probably talk about it again. Prayer. People are always asking for prayers from us as a turn of phrase, and it's also said that prayer is powerful. Is that all true? Well, we are actually supposed to pray always. The Bible commands us to do it several times, such as in Ephesians 6, where the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to pen, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And in James chapter 5, it is written, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So after reading just these few verses, we can see we are actually are to pray often, and it's good that believers and non-believers alike encourage us to do so, even if they don't know what they're asking. And it is powerful. There's some serious language in there. God knows exactly what we need, and when. And as those verses also state, God takes our requests seriously, and He's going to handle our problems for us. We're talking to the creator of the universe here. He's not constrained by time, physics, chemistry, biology, or any of the other ologies. But he's not some sort of holy vending machine, is he? Because we don't always know what's best for us. Any of you listening who have kids or even experience with kids know that one. But unlike us fallible earthly parents, he does know the perfect course of action. In Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit writes, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Why do I quote this verse here? Because, no, God isn't a holy vending machine. And sometimes the answers to prayer don't look like what we expect. And that can be really frustrating to us children in the temporal world when we don't get what we expect. What we do get is always what we or our loved ones actually need, and so much more, even if we don't appreciate it. Today's meditation comes out of St. Louis Park and is given by Pastor Allard, and is based on verses from Daniel chapter 6. So let's listen together.
1: Our lesson today from Daniel chapter 6, we read a small section of it. O king, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den so far the word the city of Babylon was ablaze with deceit and treachery and the sun dipped low casting long shadows over the palace walls but I opened my windows and I kneeled and I faced the city of my ancestors Jerusalem Jerusalem My heart stirred with longing for the God of my forefathers and asked him for help, for mercy. And the door creaked open and a shadow came in and whispered to me, Master, the decree has been passed. And I turned, regret weighing heavily on my shoulders. So be it, I replied. My devotion belongs to the Most High. The days passed and I continued to open my windows out the palace wall. Anybody could see me. And I knew, eyes were watching me. People were whispering like snakes slithering through the darkness. I knew what they were doing, I knew what their scheme was and sure enough, the confrontation came and the trap was sprung with precision. It was all part of a plan. The king's decree was designed and weaponized against me. And they hurled their accusation then to the king with venomous delight. You could see the glee in their eyes. My fate was sealed, they thought, as I was dragged before King Darius, a crown heavy with regret upon his brow. Daniel, he began. You have defied the law. And now, even I cannot save you. Today, we are seeing and going to see a reformation. Sure, this is not the days of Martin Luther, but this is not the first time that such a thing has happened in the church of God. And it's certainly not the last time we see a reformation of the church before us. And we are going to see God purposefully repeating a pattern and teaching us how he snatches victory from the jaws of defeat. Darius's decree is where we might think this started. And it was a threat. It may not have been Darius's idea. It came from the nobles. But Darius's decree went out and it was a threat to the very life of Daniel. But if Daniel was removed, there was an even bigger threat. What would happen to his people, the Jews? It is not spoken of in the lesson at all, but the implication is there is what would happen to his own people and to the people at large in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. Daniel's fate was sealed. It was an insurmountable challenge. But it didn't start with Darius. It started with Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, and I quote, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And so the plan was hatched. Of, forget about the satraps, there was 120 of them, There were three administrators. Daniel was one, and there were two others. And these two others said, no way is the king going to put him over the rest of us. And so plays out the tired theme in history of a man, anybody, a human being, a woman or a man who does their work with integrity, with respect for the truth. And then there's the others who seek only raw power and fear those with integrity and those who seek the truth. That is where this plan was hatched. But I don't want to, want to blame just the, the nobles. I don't want to blame just them. What about Darius? What was the king thinking? Right? Didn't think at all. Did he think ahead? He surely must have known the God of Daniel, and that Daniel could only pray to the God of the Jews, as they might call it. And yet he stamped it, the decree. Did Darius think at all? Do we think at all? Are we ready and are we thinking ahead for not just the unbeliever? It's easy to pick on the unbeliever. What about when the next believer in our orbit, what about even a fellow member of Timothy who we've known here for years? Could be anybody. And then suddenly they start to dismiss some aspect of Jesus Christ's will. Have we thought ahead? Have we thought it precisely what we will say in scenarios like that? Because if we don't, we'll, we'll say nothing, or we might even find ourselves saying, oh yeah, 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 and condoning the selfish path they're going down. I think there's a reason that there's a big fat Bible in the entranceway just to the left when you walk in. I don't know the story about that, but I like it. That the school of old was not the teacher's way, ideally. That the church of now is not Pastor Allard's way, ideally. It's God's way. And so I think that Bible stands at the entrance as a testimony to us all. This is God's church. And we have the privilege to be part of it. And if we're not ready in thinking ahead like Darius, then we, the church, become a lie. And I don't think any of us wants that. So Daniel made his decision. And of course he made his decision because, well, duh, he lived a privileged life divinely given to him from God. He held a position of high power in the government. But no, that doesn't fly. We covered this last week, right? When Daniel was a teenager, this was already a problem. Did he live a privileged life? I'm going to highlight verses we didn't read. But just before this happened, the last king of the Babylonians, Belshazzar, was killed by the new government of the king of the Medes and Persians. Daniel just literally survived an entire regime change and all the death and chaos that surrounds it. So I could ask you, you don't have to answer this out loud, but let me ask you, do you want that privileged life from Daniel? you want that? Anybody want some of that? I don't think so. So Daniel didn't make this right decision because of his privileged life. No. He chose to be thoughtfully, purposefully, public with his faith. And so he kneels down in front of that window. And here's the shock. I'm not going to say to you, but to me. And what does he do? You see, it summarized his prayer. Thank you. This is after the decree. And his life is on the line. And he gets down on his knees and says, For all these years, God, thank you. And then he says, Now as an 80-year-old man, and that's, he was in his 80s, Now, as an 80 year old man, Lord, I'm going to hide you? No. No. And Daniel made his decision. Daniel's faith in the living God, as Darius called his God later on in this very same lesson, Daniel's faith in the living God was the key to snatching victory from the jaws of defeat because his faith was anchored in the God who always stands. And watches over his people. And so we see divine deliverance. But I want to tread real carefully here. Divine deliverance, we see it so many times in Scripture, and it's so beautiful and stirring. And allow me to remind you of some of those wonderful promises of Jesus Christ that God gave to us. In Psalm 91 it says, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, and make the Most High your dwelling no harm Will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Sometimes the God of heaven and earth gives us the small win. And I'm going to actually say what that small win is here. It is Daniel keeping his life. Now you might argue that doesn't sound like a small win to me, Pastor. But what I'm saying is, what if Daniel had died in that den? The big win is and has always been secured by God of being reunited with God in eternity where there is no such thing as death. That is the win that God will always secure. But yes, he also gives the small wins, and he did. He sent his angel to protect Daniel. So we can look at Daniel and look at the miraculous power of God to change a human heart. The God who formed the entire nation of Israel and gave them the temple and the Ark of the Covenant and that visible presence of God between the two cherubim and the written word of God like no other nation on earth. And now that same God of Israel appears to one man here in the dark. And with that threat of his life all around him, all that night, what's the first thing that happens when that den was cracked open in the morning and Darius calls out to Daniel? My king, live forever. Let me ask you, would that be the first words out of your mouth when kings, the king says, are you okay? I don't think so. I think our imagination can run wild as to the things we might say or do to the king if we had a chance. But Daniel says, no, my king lived forever. But notice what else he said. In God's court, in the king of king's court, he has found me innocent even though you and your nobles found me guilty. I am innocent and I have never tried to harm you, my king. The very essence of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. A practical way to stand firm. Think ahead. Of what you will say and do when the unbeliever or the believer, or somebody who claims to be a believer, says, I dismiss what this Jesus says. Think ahead and then trust that God actually has that much power to turn situations that are a guaranteed defeat, right? into the ultimate victory over death. And so let's go back to that conversation between Darius and Daniel right before he was sentenced. I, Daniel, said to the king, may the Almighty's will be done. And I, Daniel, was dragged off to the den of the lions And that darkness enveloped me. And the stench of fear and the remains of those who had died in the den before me was all around. And the roar of the hungry beasts echoed through those dark stony walls. I couldn't even see them moving around me. And yet, as I knelt in the gloom, absolute peace overcame me a peace that somehow transcended the terror that had been forming in my heart. And in that darkness, my faith burned. A faith and a light that no king's decree can extinguish. And I prayed my words, a lifeline to my God in a time when I had no idea what the next second would hold. And I said, God, you guided my steps through all these years in Babylon. See me, hear me. And as the first ray of dawn pierced the opening of that den, as it was opened. The heavy stone wall or rock was rolled away and stunned onlookers surrounded me when they found not even a scratch on my body and my heart swelled with gratitude because I knew, I knew it. God had shut the mouths of those lions and in that moment I was delivered from the jaws of certain death. And so it was. In that year, that King Darius then made a decree after what he saw, and I quote his decree, in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And so a reformation occurred again. Granted, this was not the days in the reformation of Martin Luther, we understand that, but this is a a reformation. In fact, It is God's intent that the church, and by extension, the hearts of every human being here, including this preacher, continues to go through and is in a constant state of reformation, of reforming back around the truth. So dear brothers and sisters in the faith, because of the forever king, He has snatched victory from the jaws of death for us. That means we can get down on our knees, sometimes literally on our knees in gratitude to God, but in attitude, always, always in this gratitude to God and thoughtfully, purposefully think ahead and be public with your faith. How else? Will the next reformation happen? Amen.
0: We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine Services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday School and Adult Bible Study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live streamed at eight a.m. on Sunday mornings, and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day.
1: I am baptized into Christ. Because I could not pay It gave my full redemption price Do I need earth's treasures many I have one worth more than any That brought me salvation free Lasting to eternity